0: To help support this podcast, and get exclusive bonus content and rewards, make a monthly pledge at patreon.com/universebox. And, and remember, remember to, to think, think outside. Do, Do not, not adjust your, your computer, computer screen. It's your, your mind we're changing. Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universe Box.
1: Hi there, Uh, my name is Bill Meeks, and this is my television pilot, Infinite Tina. Uh, Now, a a description of the series. After a bad breakup, a girl abandons her dream job to go jaunting around the multiverse, aided by her smartphone, Vicky. Her transitions send her through countless alternate alternate versions of her, her life as she attempts to discover who she should become. In the pilot episode, Tina finds herself on a world where a secret government project gave every American the power to read minds. When she lands at a dinner party, she's caught between a jealous husband and his friend. She'll have to think quick to save this Tina's marriage before she's stuck on her earth forever. Uh, now, we have a full cast here uh, who I'll introduce to you at the end of the show. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. If you have any comments, questions, or are interested in producing Infinite Tina, please email me at bill at universebox.com or tweet me. At Bill Meeks. And now, Infinite Tina. Infinite Tina, written by Bill Meeks. A one hour pilot, The Empty Place Where Love Should Be. Teaser, exterior, blackness. A violin concerto plays over a peaceful narration. I'm electric. Exterior, the multiverse. We see a cosmic cloud swirling in the vast emptiness of space. I am the
0: sun and the stars and the wind and the air.
1: As we zoom in, dozens of Earths come into focus, some very much like our own, others only slightly familiar. A steampunk Earth with pipes and cogs orbiting around it. A lush green planet without a city light to be seen. They extend out in all directions from one central earth. The farther away from the center, the more transparent they appear.
0: I am the melody God strums on the strings of the universe.
1: We zoom in on the central earth. The narration rises in intensity with the violin, both nearing climax.
0: I am pure possibility, spliced together with skin.
1: We're tight on the central earth. A black hole expands over middle America. A white light engulfs the surrounding stars. We realize it's no longer a planet, but a human eye we're looking at. The pupil, a dreamy mixture of green and blue. I am. Interior, step for dining room, night. We zoom out from the eye to reveal Tina Infantino, mid-twenties. She is seated at a dining room table, clothed in a full-skirted red check shirt with a wide collar like something you'd see Donna Reed wearing back in the 50s. She's got the frilly apron, too. In the window behind her sits a suburban street with cookie-cutter houses, all painted the same shade of beige.
0: Uh, Apparently the center of attention tonight
1: angle the other side of the table four faces stare into the camera sitting to tina's right is jack stepford early 40s built like a retired a substitute math a clashing green jacket and blue tie he's fuming are we going to keep fighting or can we have a nice fucking meal for once tina looks down at her food she takes her apron and scoops up some mashed potatoes um eat she gobbles down the potatoes Jack grumbles, then takes a swig from his Gettleman Milwaukee beer. The other guests re- resume eating, but nobody dares speak. Next to Jack is Andre De Faustino, an oily-looking man in a wrinkled flannel with a Dresden Dolls t-shirt underneath. Tina takes him, takes him in as she chews her potatoes.
0: The Dresden Dolls. I love the Dresden Dolls. Whatever world I'm on, at least they have good music. He's not bad, actually. Kind of cute and uh, found him on the beach and brought him home for supper kind of way.
1: Andre winks at her. She looks down, noticing a wedding ring on her finger. She looks at Jack, who shovels a forkful of meat into his mouth.
0: Sorry, Dresden. Looks like I already found my Prince Charming.
1: Jack looks up from his food and locks eyes with Tina. You think I'm an idiot?
0: Only when you act like one.
1: Jack looks intently at Tina, searching for something behind her eyes that isn't there anymore. Sitting to Tina's right is Lana Kincaid, 40s, a blonde with a short boy's style (laughs) cut. She's dressed in a suit jacket with a dress shirt underneath. Georgina Delroy, mid-twenties, sits next to her, dressed in the same fifties housewife housewife getup as Tina.
2: (laughs) She's cut to rights, Jack. That's the one thing about wives.
1: She leans in and gives Georgina a peck on the cheek.
2: Sometimes they know us better than we know ourselves.
1: Jack wipes off his sweaty brow with the back of his sleeve. But
3: how well do we know them? I mean, these broads spend their whole day alone in a house we bought for them. What do
1: you think they get up to? Georgina is excited. She knows this answer.
4: I clean dust when he's out from under the furniture. I've been collecting them in a big pile out in the garage for years. Sometimes I go out there and flop down in it like it's a big pile of hay.
1: A beat. Nobody acknowledges her statement. Some days it feels like I'm coming home to a goddamn stranger. Jack shovels more food into his mouth, then gestures at Andre with his fork. Count yourself lucky that you don't have a livable woman back
5: home. Makes it goddamn impossible to concentrate. Well, you can hardly tell. If this little lady is distracting you, maybe we could all use a little more distraction.
1: Jack wraps his fingers around the steak knife and leans in. Oh, you'd like that,
3: wouldn't you? You'd just love to have Tina all to yourself.
1: Andre's eyes go to the steak knife, to Tina, and back to Jack. Whoa, whoa, okay. Who
5: slipped something into my old pal's gentleman's, huh? You're talking crazy, man. Look, you're freaking everybody
1: out. Flex of food pop off Jack's lip with every word. Stop pretending like I don't see you right through you, old pal. Jack slams his fist on the table. The wine glasses clatter. We hear Tina's quick breaths as we cut close on her eyes.
0: Okay, this guy is big, like weightlifter big. Right now he's angry with Mr. Greasy over there, but if he turns it around on me, I am well and truly screwed. I've picked up dozens of skills since I started transitioning between realities.
1: Exterior, pirate ship, night. Tina, in full pirate garb, is dueling Blackbeard. Swashbuckling. Interior, office day. Tina sits at an old-fashioned desk under a flickering incandescent light bulb, scratching notes into a thick ledger. Accounting! Interior, church basement. Tina sits in a knitting circle with a dozen old ladies who chat while skillfully working their needles. Knitting. Interior, step for dining room, night. Jack stands. He's even taller than we thought.
0: Nothing in the multiverse has ever prepared me to go up against a 200-pound reject from the WWE.
1: Jack turns his attention to Tina. His eyebrows are arched over his eyes like a caveman's brow. Tina takes a sip of wine. Tart.
0: You have got to be kidding me. Andre, really? Jack?
1: Jack places his gigantic hairy hand over Tina's. This doesn't concern you, dear. Why don't you go get the mincemeat pie from the chicken while the men talk this out?
0: Oh, but this guy burns me. I guess it's all too complicated for a simple little woman like me to understand.
1: Georgina jumps up from her seat and sweeps up the empty dishes from the table like a magician cleaning up a trick.
0: Here,
4: I can help you.
1: Lana grabs Georgina's hand and pulls her back down into the seat. Georgina contorts to save the dishes from crashing to the ground. You'll
2: stay right here. I don't trust you with one second with this little hussy.
1: Tina's anger flares across her eyes. A Hussy,
2: if you don't count my first
0: transition...
1: Exterior, beach, night. Close shots of bodies writhing around each other. We catch glimpses of Tina's face mixed in with other strange faces in various states of sexual arousal, ending on a clown laughing. His white makeup ends at his neck, mixing with sweat as it drips down his naked torso. Interior, step for dining room, night. Tina's face is red, either from embarrassment or arousal. Which I don't. I've
0: only been with two guys. Then again, I don't know the details of this Tina's life. She might be a total
1: hobag. Georgina pulls away from Lana.
4: I'm only being polite, dear.
1: Jack grabs Tina's hand, squeezes it. Tina winces as she tries to pull it back.
0: Honey, please, you're hurting me. I love you, you know that.
1: Tina turns to Georgina and Lana.
0: As for you, I don't even swing that way. Now can we all just calm down and have a darn slice of pie?
1: Jack looks down at his plate like a puppy dog ashamed of the mess his owner just found by the front door. Lana looks away, too.
2: I think I scared
1: her. Lana jumps up and grabs Tina by the arm. Closeted
2: bitches like you don't scare me. Never have.
1: Close on Tina. She's confused.
2: Weird. It's almost like she's...
1: Reading your mind? <gasps> Tina gasps. Andre perks up. He's finally following the conversation.
5: I knew there was something off here. You're not her at all, are you?
0: Well, shit. If they can hear me thinking, then they may must know about...
3: The multiverse, is that what you called it? Yeah, we heard about you and your transitions.
1: Jack stands, wraps his hand around the back of Tina's head. Tell you what,
3: you get my Tina, Tina Stepford, back into this body, and we'll let you waltz off to your next goddamn adventure.
0: You think I can just control this? If I could just summon alternate Tinas from across the multiverse, I would have played way more pranks on my ex by now.
1: Tina's eyes dart around the room, looking for her phone.
0: No, if I'm going to bring your Tina back, I need my phone. I need Vicky.
1: Well, then you better find her, then. Jack shoves Tina out of her chair. She clips her shoulder on the table as she falls to the floor. No, Jack, she's too important. Andre jumps up and wraps his arms around Jack's neck. They fall back on the table. Food flies everywhere as they tussle. Andre lands a punch across Jack's jaw. Jack smiles and bites down on Andre's arm. Low on Tina as she scrambles back against the wall, rubbing her shoulder.
0: Abuse? Outdated gender roles? Mind readers fighting over me?
1: The gravy boat smashes against the wall next to Tina's head, spraying gravy across her face.
0: What the freak?
1: End of teaser. Act 1. Interior. Step for dining room. Night. Tina cowers against the wall as Jack and Andre tussle on the floor next to her.
0: If everybody on this world can read minds, then why can't I? Doesn't seem fair. I've been to worlds where people have abilities before.
1: Exterior, downtown Chicago, day. We see the Chicago skyline across the water. The sky is filled with winged humans swinging around the Willis Tower. Tina soars through the air, beating her rainbow-striped wings and laughing at the absurdity of it all.
0: Bird Earth, designation universe G minor, where humans had wings and hollow bones.
1: Exterior, ocean, day. Tina floats in the dark blue water, eyes bulging as she struggles to swim towards the surface.
0: On Waterworld, designation universe F-sharp diminished. I was extracting oxygen from the water with my new lungs the instant I transitioned in.
1: Tina takes in a deep breath of water and smiles. Interior, step for dining room, night. Lana is standing over Jack and Andre now, trying to separate them. Georgina scrubs the wall obsessively, trying to clean up the gravy. She smiles at Tina, still up against the wall.
0: So why didn't I start reading minds the second I landed on this, at this dinner table? Why didn't I realize they knew who I was before I told, they told me?
1: Lana pulls Andre off Jack, who is still on the ground with a welt forming on his cheek. Tina stands, then starts opening drawers and looking behind the furniture to find her phone. Lana, this is between me and Jack. Jack gets up. Lana steps between him and Andre. Jack shouts around her. You still think she's as fun as a fight tilt fine tip pen asshole Andre's face goes white. He takes a step back. She, uh, she, she, she told you about
5: that, huh? Told me about it? It's all she's been thinking about for weeks now. Do you have any idea how
3: hard
1: it is to heal that shit a million times a day? Tina digs through the bowl of fake fruit in the middle of the table.
0: Uh, looks like you guys have a lot to talk about, and I have a phone to find and a mission to complete. How about you help me find it, let me do what I came here to do, and by the time your Tina gets back, you'll have it all sorted out.
1: Not a chance, young lady. Tina drops the fruit, straightens up, looks him dead in the eye.
0: Don't call me young lady.
1: Jack taps his temple.
3: Oh yeah, you just hate being called that, don't you, young lady? Lana pulls Jack aside.
2: Stop being an asshole for a second. Think about Project Olympus. Don't you get it? She's proof of what of Dr. Williamson's local variance theory. We have her. Forget flight, forget telekinesis. She might have the secrets of the universe.
1: With Jack distracted, Tina snatches his steak knife off the table and waves it around as she backs up towards the kitchen door.
2: Whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, back it up. I told you, I'm just the passenger on this train. I'm not the conductor. If you want answers, I'm...
1: Jack lunges at her, knocking her to the ground. A flash of movement, and he's on top of her, holding her wrist. Lana pries the knife from Tina's hand, then tosses it back on the table. Let me go! She struggles, but it's useless. It's physics. He's simply too large for her to have any effect. She relaxes her body, but keeps her mind sharp, sharp, waiting for a moment. Jack gestures to the purple curtains on the window, which are tied back with golden ropes. Andre, untie those drapes and bring me the cord. Andre rubs his arm. You're the one we should be tying up, you jealous prick. Jack struggles to turn his hand. while... control. Just because I'm a prick doesn't mean I'm wrong. Now you don't want to march down to
3: Director Delroy's office and tell him we let the most important scientific discovery since the Dust Cloud get away. You. Clash clown shtick has kept you employed for this long, but Delroy isn't going to laugh if you screw this up, not one bit.
1: Andre considers this. It's a good point. He unties the ropes as Lana and Jack lift Tina into a chair. They tie her hands to the arms of the chair.
2: Okay, now. <sighs> Shit. I need to pee. I trust you two for a minute.
1: Jack and Andre stare each other down, nothing doing.
2: Well, I guess I'll have to go right here.
1: Lana squats down. No, 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 no. Just hurry the hell up.
2: Trust me. I don't want to miss a second of this. Wait, I need to pee too.
1: The group ignores her. Lana exits through the kitchen door. So I've got to hold it? Jack and Andre stare at each other. Their expressions are changing, like they're holding a silent conversation. Tina notices.
0: What if they're talking about me with their thoughts?
1: Jack looks at Tina.
0: Crap. They're totally talking about me. Fine. Have your little conversation. Keep yourselves busy until I can find Vicky and get
1: the hell out of here. So what is this Vicky? Shit! I really need to be more careful with my thoughts. Jack grabs a handful of Tina's hair and pulls her head back until she's looking up at him. Georgina raises her hand.
4: Should not we wait until
3: my wife gets back?
1: Shut up. Tell me about Vicky. Who is she?
3: Where did she come from? How do we get her to bring back my wife?
1: Fuck off. She spits in his face. He reels.
0: I'm not telling you shit.
1: Jack smiles as he places his hand on Tina's head. Fine. You don't have to. Tina's eyes roll back in her head. We catch flashes. Uh, transition. The multiverse. A spraw- sprawling landscape made of glass. That clown again.
0: Ow! What is he? Wait. These are all my transitions. It's like it's happening all over again.
1: Exterior. Townhouse. Day.
0: Wait. My parents' house? I haven't been there since the day this all started.
1: Super. Several months prior. Interior. Living room. Day. Tina bursts through the front door. Her mom and dad, 50, sit on the couch watching TV. Mom wears a sundress. Dad is dressed in gym shorts, a plain white t-shirt, sandals, and white crew socks. We broke up. I hope you two are happy. Mom goes to respond, but Dad puts his his hand on her arm and shakes his head. Tina storms through the room and climbs the stairs. Interior, Tina's bedroom, day. Tina slams the door as she enters. Blue plastic tubs sit around the room, some filled, some empty. Tina stands in front of an Eat, Pray, Love poster. She rips it off the wall and throws it in the trash bin next to her desk. She stops in front of a Monty Python and the Holy Grail poster, starts to carefully remove it, then thinks better of it and sticks it back to the wall. She goes to her dresser and lights an apple pie-scented candle, breathing in the thick smoke floating off the wick. A knock. Tina leaps at the door to lock it before whoever is on the other side can get it open.
4: Tina, honey, please don't be mad at us. We just want you to have a full and happy life.
1: Tina kicks the door. Too hard. She winces as she sinks down and hunches over.
0: Then maybe you shouldn't have fucking blackmailed me into moving, mother. What rational adult threatens to not pay their kids' student loans after promising they would? You don't just turn
4: down a job offer right after college, especially one that's so perfect for you.
0: If Jim isn't there, it's not perfect.
4: Honey, I know it seems like the end of the world, but, you lo- but young love never lasts anyways. Better you to go to Houston and host the show than go to New York with Jim and have your heart broken when he starts dating one of his
0: students.
1: Tina pulls at her hair.
0: Can you not? You don't know the first thing about love. Just because Dad couldn't keep it in his pants doesn't mean every guy is like that.
1: Silence on the other side of the door. Good. Tina smiles. A beat.
4: One day, I hope your daughter talks to you like that, young lady.
0: No worry there, Mother. You just cost me the only guy I've ever considered having a kid with. You don't mean that. You'll find somebody new.
4: Now pack up the rest of your things. They'll be dropping the pot off in a few hours. Your brothers will be home so, gent- so him and your dad can help you bring everything down. Then maybe we can go to Gust- Gustin's for one last family dinner.
1: Whatever. The sound of stomping feet in the hallway. Tina exhales. Cut to interior bedroom day. Tina is putting some books in a blue plastic tub, where the sidewalk ends by Sh- Shell Silverstein, a few dozen dog-eared babysitter's club books, how to be a TV host. She picks up a framed Rutgers diploma off her bed and peels the sale sticker off the glass, then places it in the bin and snaps the lid back on. Cut two. interior closet day. Tina pulls dresses off their hangers one by one and tosses them into a tub. Interior bedroom day. Tina slides her top dresser drawer open. It's full of bras and underwear. Something in the drawer vibrates. Didn't she leave that at Jim's place? Uh, Tina checks the door, then pulls back a zebra print bra. A smartphone buzzes underneath. She picks it up to examine it. Dozens of buttons glued on the back, grouped by colors bleeding from red to orange to yellow to blue to purple. She presses the home button. The screen lights up with a multicolored swirling particle. A a violin mnemonic blasts from the speaker.
6: Welcome, new user.
1: Vicky, the smartphone speaks in a nasally voice with an attitude halfway between Sarah Silverman and Christian Shaw. A cartoon face with feminine eyes appears on her screen.
6: Please look directly into the camera for identification.
1: Tina holds the phone in front of her face. A green light scans her features. The face on the screen smiles.
6: Thank you. I've cataloged your unique facial features and triangulated your spiritual essence.
1: Spiritual essence? Sounds like a bunch of new age bullshit. She taps on the screen. No icons. Just the same animated face that isn't very receptive to being poked at.
6: How the hell do you even use it? It? I'm a she. And I stopped letting people use me a long time ago, sister woman. Wait, you can understand me? Well, when I'm not suffocating in your old training bar, sure. Zebra print? Why not leopard print instead? At least leopards are predators. Zebras are prey. Don't be anybody's prey, especially if they're already down to your bra.
1: Tina chuckles. She likes this phone. Very her.
6: Want to swing me around the room so I can map out the environment?
1: Tina spins around the room, a shutter sound effect going off in rapid succession. A 3D model of the room appears on the screen. Tina's fingers pinch and zoom the rendering.
0: Neat. Um, What
1: should I call you?
6: Vicky, which stands for Vocal Interactive Companion Slash Concurrent Interface. I'm your fast friend, here to guide you through this world and any others we might come across on our adventures together. Adventures? Are you sure
0: you're mine? I just broke up with my boyfriend. I don't exactly feel like going on adventures.
1: A pie chart appears on Vicky's screen. 64% red, 36% blue.
6: Which is exactly why we should leave right now. Studies show that 64% of recently single persons get over it quicker if they remove themselves from familiar surroundings as soon as possible. Sadly, that remaining 36% almost never get over it.
1: The blue chunk of the pie chart morphs into a woman, tears streaming down her face.
6: They become lonely ghost people, wandering the streets at night, or worse.
1: The woman morphs into an old lady in a rocking chair, cats swarming her like a plague of roaches.
6: They become crazy cat ladies who eventually get eaten in their sleep.
1: The cats feast on the old lady.
6: Me? A cat
0: lady? But I'm freewheeling, fun-loving Tina from New Brunswick. There's no way I'll ever become a cat lady.
1: Vicky's voice echoes around Tina's head.
6: That's what every potential cat lady says.
1: Tina drops the phone, throwing her hands up around her ears.
6: You're, You're in my head! How the hell are you doing that? Binaural Bluetooth. It allows me to speak to you telepathically in case of capture, arrest, or if you need to rest your voice after a hard night of belting out me and Bobby McGee at karaoke. Tina scoops
1: up Vicky off, off the floor.
6: Well, you shouldn't invade someone's head without asking.
0: I don't know what you know about humans, but we like a little, to have a little privacy.
6: Then why do humans tweet so much?
1: Tina sits, then lays down on her bed. She stares at the screen as she takes in the smell of the purple comforter she's had since she was a kid.
0: So adventures, huh? What kind of adventures? Where do you come from,
6: anyway? So many questions. What about my privacy, huh? Look, where I come from isn't important. I was built in a city just like every other city you've ever seen, really. As for adventures, where do you want to go?
1: Tina's eyes light up. Like, could we go to Maui? A satellite photo of Maui appears on Vicky's screen.
6: Think bigger.
1: The satellite photo zooms out from Maui to Earth, then pulls further back through the stars as they twist in the middle like a piece of bowtie pasta. Dozens of Earths spiral out in every direction.
6: What if I told you the possibilities were infinite? Any world you can imagine is right out that window, just waiting for us to explore.
1: Tina jumps up and runs to the window. Outside, it's the same boring street that's been there since she was a teenager.
0: There's nothing out there. What the hell are you talking about?
1: On the screen, a female stick figure like you'd see on the ladies' room door.
6: Okay, stick with me for a minute. So there's you, right? Tina Infantino. You're the result of thousands of decisions you've made, or that your parents made, or that your parents' parents made. But what if they'd chosen differently?
1: The female stick figure morphs into a male stick figure.
6: You'd be a totally different person with different hopes and dreams and genitals. On this world, nobody made those decisions, but with those decisions presented themselves, they created other possibilities. Each of those possibilities created a whole new reality where, in this example, you're totally a dude. Not sure I'm following. Maybe I'm confusing the issue.
1: The female stick figure reappears on screen standing in front of two doors marked A and B.
6: Pretend you've come to two doors. This is a decision point. You have three choices here. Go through door A.
1: The female stick figure goes through door A. The image resets.
6: Go through door B, where a bear is waiting to eat you.
1: The female stick figure goes through door B. Screams and bear noises. The image resets.
6: Or you could screw off and avoid the doors entirely.
1: The female stick figure flips the doors off, then exits stage right.
6: So you make your choice to avoid both doors. But another world exists where you may be eaten by a bear decision. What if I told you we could travel to that world? But why would I want to do that? Well, you wouldn't, but we could. There are an infinite number of worlds out there, created by different decision points.
1: On the screen, domesticated dinosaurs the size of dogs romp around at a park while their human masters enjoy a picnic.
6: On some, the dinosaurs never died.
1: On the screen, a billboard. Paul Walker is Pinocchio.
6: On others, maybe the only difference is there was only one Fast and the Furious movie instead of 17 or whatever. Wait,
0: is this like those multiverse thing from comic books my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, was always talking about?
1: On the screen, a picture of Earth. More Earths start pouring out of it like water out of a faucet till the screen is filled with them.
6: Yes, exactly. I want to take you on the tour of the multiverse. No cost to you, no credit card required. A limited time offer. Act now.
1: Tina turns the phone around and tries to pry off the back. Is
0: this a joke?
6: Who the hell put you in my drawer? Where the hell do you come from? Stop that! I'm here to help you. It's no joke. Would you care for a practical demonstration? I'll just need you to accept the terms of service.
1: A modal window appears on screen. There's a wall of text to scroll through, but Tina hits the accept button without reading a word. Exterior, the multiverse. A tunnel of rainbow-colored light streaks across Tina's face. Dimensions stretch, distort, until she pops into exterior, Times square day. Uh, Tina stands in a pile of rubble, wearing black leather armor with dirt smudged across her face. The sky is red. Uh, Black smoke hangs over the city like a storm cloud. The buildings are crumbling. A dog barks in the distance. Tina goes to ask Vicky a question, but realizes her hand is empty. What the hell? Vicky's muffled violin mnemonic sounds from under a fallen billboard.
6: Over here!
1: Tina struggles to lift the corner of the billboard. Vicky is wedged in the dirt underneath. Tina picks her up and wipes off the screen. The green light washes over Tina's face. Vicky's cartoon face appears on the screen.
6: Where are we? End of the world, Ma. This is a dystopian world. Those are popular with the kids these days, right?
1: A large shadow moves across the ground. A giant ship hovers in the air above Tina. Its shiny silver surface a stark contrast to the gritty remains of New York City on the ground. What's that? On the screen, a schematic of the ship appears with helpful text labels pointing out the laser cannons, shield arrays, and meat bone separating station.
6: Oh, that? Nothing. Just a warship left by the Martians after the Great War? Trivia. It's designed to kill any humans it finds on site.
1: Tina ducks down behind a dried-out bush growing through its cracked sidewalk.
6: Humans like me? Exactly.
1: Well, then maybe you should get me out of here before... A red sphere mounted on the ship's underside glows. The laser cannon activates. A laser beam hits Tina's leg. She falls. Her head bounces off the pavement. Fade to black. Interior. Tina's bedroom. Day. The light through the blinds hits Tina's eyes. She blinks. She's laying in the middle of a room. She sits up, checks her leg. It's fine. She finds Vicky laying next to her on the floor. She picks up the phone and gets the green light scan.
0: Where did the armor go? I kind of liked it.
1: On the screen, a picture of Tina in the armor. Well, not exactly our Tina. This one has that thousand-yard stare you see on soldiers after they come back to the States. She has an open wound on her leg where the laser hit her.
6: It's still on that world's Tina. Or what's left of her. You mean she's... Dead? Yep. Cooked crispy style. Don't blame yourself. It was bound to happen anyway. She was the last girl on Earth. Only a matter of time, really.
1: Tina stands and starts pacing around the room as she attempts to wrap her mind around what's just happened.
6: So wait,
0: if I was in her clothes, does that mean I was in her body too? Is that why my leg isn't
6: burned? Not in her body, but you're on the right track. When you travel to another world, you become that world's Tina. Then what happens to that world, Tina? We move her spiritual essence to a secure location. Let's call that home base. She waits there safe and sound until you transition to the next world.
0: And who decides when I transition or what world I go to next?
6: My boss. The same person who designed me to help you. But don't you worry about that. They only want to make sure you're happy.
1: On the screen, a spiral of colors.
6: Now then... Are you ready to go? We've got a whole multiverse to explore.
1: A knock on the door.
6: Tina,
4: honey, are you almost done packing? Your pot is here. Give me a minute.
1: Mom's footsteps are heard as she runs down the stairs.
6: Well, what's it going to be? Moving out with Mom and Dad or Adventures in the Multiverse with moi? You've already accepted the TOS, so it's not like you'll get a refund anyway. Come on, give the worlds a whirl.
1: On the screen, a prompt. Are you ready to begin? Two buttons, yes or no. Close on Tina as she considers it.
0: Childhood or adulthood? Moving on or moving out? Houston or the universe? The familiar or the fantastic? When I think about it, when I let myself consider the pure possibility, there's only one answer.
1: Tina taps yes on the screen.
0: I wonder what sort of world I'm going to first.
1: Transition. Flashes of all the worlds we've seen. Bird Earth. Pirates. That damn clown again. Interior. Stepford Dining Room. Night. Tina yanks her head back out of Jack's hands. Stop! You don't want to see that that part. Andre, leaning against the wall, perks up. Why? What happened there? Nothing worth repeating. Lana enters in through the door from the kitchen. She picks up a napkin off the table to dry her hands. Georgina perks up. Finally, there's somebody she feels like she can talk to in this room.
6: You need some hand towels in your bathroom, Jack? What'd I miss? Me,
1: I hope. She runs up to Lana and tries to kiss her, but Lana isn't having it. Too much to do.
6: Not now, honey.
1: Lana pushes past Georgina, stands next to Jack, and crosses her arms. From Tina's perspective, Jack and Lana stare at Tina like she's a lab monkey locked in a cage, cold and clinical.
6: Did you find anything?
1: Jack shakes his head. She wasn't lying. Based on the memories
3: I extracted, her phone controls it. Tina struggles against her bonds.
0: Exactly. I'm the passenger, not the conductor. Hell, as far as I know, my phone isn't even the conductor. I guess that would make her the wheels, the tracks, the train?
3: If she can get you the heck out of here and bring back my Tina, I don't care if she's the
1: goddamn whistle. Lana leans in and whispers to Jack. We see Tina react behind them.
6: Jack. We have a responsibility to bring this to Delroy before we do anything.
3: After we get my wife back, Delroy can dissect her for all I care.
1: Tina pulls against her bonds again. She grimaces. Andre crosses the room and kneels down next to her, inspecting the ropes. Why do we have her tied down anyway? It's not like
5: she's going to hurt us, right, darling? Why, I have a feeling if we let you breathe a little,
1: you might even help us here. Tina shakes her head yes. Andre smiles.
0: Sure, of course. You're you're going to need my help anyway. I'm the only one who can log into Vicky.
1: Jack scratches his head, looks at Lana. She nods. You get one shot. Andre unties Tina's hands. She rubs her red wrist.
0: Okay, it's magic time.
1: <laughs> A soft tone comes from the china cabinet across the room. Tina runs over and pulls Vicky from the drawer. She takes a moment to remember the code phrase they'd agreed on months before to activate the auto-lock.
0: Vicki, I need a good friend right now.
1: A few seconds pass. Vicki's screen springs to life. Her animated face appears.
6: Understood, Tina. Which scan would you like to use today? Fingerprint scan, please.
1: Lana yanks Vicky away from Tina.
6: There's no way in hell we're letting you hold on to this. I'll hold it. You do the talking. Please present finger for print, for print scan.
1: Lana grabs Tina's index finger, then holds it in front of the screen. A green light scans it.
6: Identity confirmed. Welcome, Tina. The OS is currently down for maintenance. Please enjoy this ElectroPop fission playlist while you wait.
1: Some weird Philip Glass-sounding music plays from Vicky's speakers while streaks of rainbow-colored light dance to the rhythm on our screen. Jack rolls his eyes and snatches the phone from Lana's hands. He presses the home button and shouts into the phone like it's an old-fashioned walkie-talkie, and he's commanding troops in a rice patty and nom. Vicky, return Tina Stefford to this dimension immediately. The music stops. Vicky's cartoon face appears on screen.
6: Error. Unrecognized voice.
0: Good girl, Vicky. You don't want these psychos screwing with your
3: settings. If you don't bring my Tina back right fucking now, I'm going to take care of this, one, this fake one myself. She's upgrading the
0: OS. She literally can't do anything until it's done. Jack, calm
1: down. Lana reaches out for Jack's arm, but he pulls away, then stomps through the kitchen door. The room is silent for a moment. The remaining members of the group look confused. Tina leans down to examine a lavender vase in the corner.
6: This is nice. Where'd you get it? How would we know? Right. Gotcha.
1: Another moment of silence. Georgina gets an idea.
6: Well, if we can't get Jack's Tina
4: back, you'll need somewhere to stay. Would you be interested in renting a condo? I can probably get you a good deal. I'm really not.
1: Lana glares at her wife.
4: Not now, honey. But Stephen was just saying the other day how friends and family are a completely untapped market in the real estate business.
1: Jack barges back into the room, holding Vicky in one hand with his other hand behind him, hidden behind him. What a piece of shit! He slams Vicky down on the table. He pulls the other hand from behind him to reveal a small pistol, about the size of a pack of playing cards. He points it at Vicky's screen. Lana approaches him carefully, afraid she'll set him off.
6: No, Jack. If you destroy that phone, you might never see your wife again.
1: Jack licks at the sweat dripping off his upper lip. He looks over at Andre as he speaks. Hey, maybe it's for the best. I was going to use this gun on her. And Andre.
3: Tonight. Maybe if I put a bullet in this phone, we don't need to worry about it. Maybe I start over with a brand new Tina, a redo, a reboot, a whole new
1: chance at happiness. And what do you know? All I gotta do is pull this trigger. Tina busts up laughing. She's falling uh, into one of the chairs and wipes her eyes with her apron.
0: Oh no! Are you serious? You think I just like take your wife's place permanently? Your actual wife? thinks about another guy once, and you're ready to kill her? You're a total psycho, dude. No thanks.
1: Let's see what you say when you run out of options. Jack pulls the trigger. Bang! The bullet shatters the screen. Glass sprays everywhere. Oh, dear! Georgina's arm is bleeding. A chunk of glass from the screen lodged inside it. Blood drips on her clean white apron. Lana runs to her side. Smoke pours out of Vicky as she catches fire. The battery pack got punctured. The fire spreads to the tablecloth. Jack smiles. He's breathing heavy as he wipes the sweat off his face with his sleeves. Uh, Tina isn't laughing anymore. A lavender blur flies by her face. The sound of glass shattering. Jack slumps on the table. Chunks of glass from the lavender vase strewn all around him. Andre jumps for the gun, tearing it from Jack's hand as he comes to. Andre winks at Tina. Sorry about your phone. Andre levels the gun at Jack as he lifts up his head.
5: Okay, Jackie boy, now settle down, lay back, and try not to bleed all
1: over the floor. I think it's time we had a little chat. End of Act 1. Act 2. Interior. Step for dining room. Night. Tina is seated in the chair, afraid to move while there's a gun in play. She eyes the burning remains of Vicky on the dining room table, picks up a water glass, and pours it on the flames. A sputter. A spark. The fire is out, and Vicky is dead. Lana has pulled the glass from Georgina's arm and wrapped it with her apron. They hold each other near the window. Jack is leaning back against the china cabinet. Blood pours from his temple. He's doing his best to catch it with his hand so it doesn't ruin the white carpeting he just finished paying off last month.
0: You should probably put some pressure on that. He's an asshole, but I don't think anyone wants to see him bleed out on the floor.
1: Andre snatches up a green napkin and tosses it in Jack's lap. Good point. It'd kill me if he died. He crosses over to Tina and puts his arm around her, uh, resting the gun on his shoulder and keeping his eyes on Jack as he speaks to her.
5: You don't know this, but me and Jack, you boy here, go way back. Current situation aside, I love the dude. Uh,
0: You have a weird way of showing it, current situation front and center. Uh, Can you please... Move your arm. I don't know what you and his wife have cooking, but trust me when I tell you this Tina thinks you're a total creep.
1: Under removes his arm, ever polite in the face of rejection. Well, you aren't wrong. Most girls think I'm a little creepy until they get to know me. Take Tina Stepford. Jack, who is holding the napkin up to his temple, bares his teeth like a rabid dog. You don't speak her name, you lousy son of a bitch.
5: Please, Jack, if you cared so much about her, you should have started defending her years ago. Maybe if you spent a little less time at Project Olympus, you wouldn't have been so turned on by my little
1: suggestion. That's it. I'm going to rip your goddamn head off. Jack stumbles to his knees. Andre points the gun at him again.
5: Jackie boy, we're pals and all, but I'm more than willing to put a bullet or two in you if I have to.
1: Jack leans back against the china cabinet. He, he doesn't have as much fight in him as he thought he did. Fine. You want to talk? Talk. Why don't you start with how long you've been wanting to sleep with my wife? Andre sits at the head of the table. He keeps the gun on Jack, but is otherwise relaxed. He winks at Tina.
5: While her counterpart over there is quite the cutie, your Tina isn't really my type. It was, what can I say, it was more about you than
1: her. Lana gives Georgina a look.
6: Didn't I tell you he was gay?
1: Andre laughs. <laughs> what, what, what? No, no. Thanks, though. I'll I'll take that as a compliment coming from you. Andre's bottom lip trembles. Uh, we see some actual emotion in his eyes for the first time. It, but it, it's not like that at all. Tina perks up in her chair.
0: Ooh, this is getting juicy. Well then, what is it like?
5: You know how we used to stay up late back in college, how you used to tell me those stories about the war and how the only way we'd avoid another one was to make sure we had an advantage. Stirring stuff, my friend. And you were right, as far as I could tell. Uh, when you dropped the ladder behind you on this Project Olympus thing, I thought the wor- I thought we were about to change the world together.
1: Andre leans over and smiles at Tina.
5: This guy, he would never know it to look at him, but he was a giant pimp back then. He'd bring a different girl out to Bailey's every Friday night for Beat the Clock. Hell, half the time he'd leave with someone else and I'd end up with the first girl. Work was good. Life was good. We were good. Until that cloud showed up over Kansas and changed the world before we got the chance. Cloud? What cloud?
1: I guess you wouldn't know about that, huh? Exterior. Kansas Field. Night. Night. The sky is filled with stars. The grass waves lazily lazily in the wind. A teenage boy and teenage girl are making out in a small clearing under a tree. A flash. The tree is gone. So are the young lovers. A meteor smolders in the crater it created. There was a meteor shower one night years ago. Angle on the landscape. Meteors streak through the sky. Angle on the field from above. Red smoke pours out of each fresh hole. Then this big red cloud showed up over Kansas. Interior, command center. Two generals look at a satellite image of the United States. Kansas is covered by a red cloud. Interior, farmhouse day. Edna, 70s, needs some dough on her cutting board. An orange cat sleeps on the windowsill. You'd never believe it if you weren't here for it. The orange cat sits up. And speaks, "May I trouble you for a dish of water?": For tr- a dish of water, <laughs> Edna.: the
7: Sun has made me mighty thirsty."
1: Edna jumps back, terrified. She slips and falls out of frame. Interior, step for dining room. night. Tina is engaged as Andre finishes his story. All the farm
5: animals started talking to the farmers. When we examined them at the project, we realized they weren't talking to us. they were thinking at us. After that discovery, we thought, well, what if we reversed it? What if we could pull thoughts from people's heads like these animals were pushing them into ours? What country would dare start World War IV if the Americans could read their minds? Not a one. With time and experimentation, Jack came up with a way to give the whole country the power to read minds overnight.
0: Jeez, how many
4: marriages ended that day? Oh, thousands. Mine, for starters.
6: But aren't you two still married? You bet your ass we are. Georgina was married to director Delroy once upon a time. I'd catch little glances from her when she'd come in to see him, but it was all pretty innocent. After tea day, I could hear what she was really thinking about me. I made my move, and they were divorced within a week.
4: Just as well. Turns out he was sleeping with my friend Sheila.
1: Georgina snuggles closer to Lana.
4: He never supported me anyway. He never thought I was smart enough to become a realtor.
1: Lana flashes a terse smile like she has her own unspoken doubts about her wife's abilities. Before Georgina can notice, Lana throws her hand around her waist.
6: My baby can do anything she sets her mind to.
1: Like screwing screwing over Tim Delroy? Andre stands, gesturing with the gun as he speaks. Look, look, we're getting distracted.
5: The important thing is that after all that went down, Jack stopped being, well, Jack. First, you wouldn't leave the lab. Not, not even for Saturday nights at Bailey's, man. Then they sent you to that big party up in D.C. and you met Tina. You guys were married within a couple months, right? After that, well, let's just say you stopped treating me like your friend and more like your little bitch boy. Pathetic. You want to sleep with my wife because why? Because you weren't getting the tail, uh,
1: as much tail as you would be as my wingman anymore? Andre shoves the gun in Jack's face. His hand is shaking. Dude,
5: I left my whole life behind to come here with you, man, to be a part of something. I haven't seen my parents in fucking years. We were supposed to do this together. Then we stumble across something huge, and it's screw off, Andre. I'm getting my wife and mortgage and house in the suburbs.
1: Georgina leans forward.
4: How much do you pay here anyways? I bet we could help you refinance.
3: None of your damn business.
0: Never a bad time to make a sale, right? So, Andre,
5: if I've got this straight, you never liked Tina Stepford at all? No. I figured if I could get Jack thinking she liked me, maybe he'd, I don't know, leave her
1: or something. Or at least he'd remember who his real friends are. Seriously? Are you 12? Bright light shines through the dining room window, hitting Tina in the eyes.
7: Jack, we know you're in there. Please, we can talk. We want everybody to walk out of there.
1: Andre runs to the window, looking out through the curtains. Is that Delroy? What, what What's he doing here? With Andre distracted, Jack leaps forward and grabs his gun. He takes a step back and points the firearm at his former friend. His eyes are bulging out like they're trying to to escape. He looks like a man heading for a heart attack. Good question. As far as I remember, there's only one of us who could have called him. He takes a few steps back, then swings the gun in Lana's direction. She's still holding pressure on Georgina's wound.
6: Think about what you're doing. We're still friends, right?
1: Don't give me that bullshit. Bang. Lana grabs her stomach, but there's no blood coming out. Her leg, where the bullet hit, gives out from under her. She hits the floor. Georgina leans down beside her.
6: No, honey. No, 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 no. You've done it now, Jack. There's no coming back from this one. I only called Delroy because I didn't want you doing anything stupid. Then you go and shoot me and screw it all up.
3: You're a goddamn counselor, Lana. Why the hell does this girl matter to you?
6: Imagine what Tina could teach us about identity. She's lived dozens of lives. That has to change a person.
1: Tight on Tina.
0: She's right there. I haven't been transitioning long, but it's already getting hard to separate the me I am from the me I'm in.
1: Lana looks up at Tina as Georgina puts pressure on her wound.
6: See? She has a whole new school of psychotherapy floating around in that head. Ah, Crap! It's so
0: frustrating not being able to think anything without these freaks listening in. Maybe if I sing a little jingle or something, it'll keep my mind from wandering. If you need a car, don't have to go far. At 4th and Bar, Lucero Auto, drive like a star.
3: Well, sorry about my goddamn life has fallen apart. And look, you can't even keep your own wife under control. Aren't you reading her mind? All she can think about is screwing this imposter.
1: Lana cracks a pained smile and caresses Georgina's hair.
6: See, that's where you and I are different. I don't have to read my wife's mind to know that I can trust her. If she falls for somebody else, there's nothing I can do to change it. Maybe if you put a little more faith in your Tina, she'd have a little more faith in you.
1: Blue and red lights flash in the window.
7: Put the gun down, Jack, or we're going to send people in there to stop you.
1: Enough of this bullshit! He grabs Tina's arm and pulls her towards the kitchen door. Come on, you're going to help me find my wife so we can settle some things. Stop
5: this, Jack. I don't give a shit about your wife. I just want my friend back. Her
3: thoughts about you were plenty real. Now everybody down in their bellies, or I'm shooting a lot of you.
5: Fine, fine, just just don't hurt her, okay? She
1: has nothing to do with this. Andre lies uh, down on his stomach. Lana flips over, wincing as she does.
4: I can't, my arm, it hurts too
6: much to. Come on, I'll help you.
1: Lana steadies Georgina's injured arm as she lies down, then kisses her wife gently on the forehead. Exterior, patio, night. Jack shoves Tina out through the open sliding glass door onto a sparsely lit patio with folding lawn furniture and a grill. The red and blue lights from out front light their way past the pool and the fire pit. At the back fence, Jack rips a few planks off to make an opening wide enough to wiggle through. Jack shoves Tina through the opening. Her dress catches on her nail, tearing it. Watch it! Jack follows her through, then puts the boards back in place. Not perfect, but it'll fool anybody at a glance. Jack grabs Tina's arm and leads her through the ankle-high grass between the two fences. Exterior, street, knife. Jack pulls Tina down the street.
0: Where are we going, anyway?
3: There's only one reason my Tina isn't here right now, and it's because you are. I figure if I get rid of you, she'll come back.
0: And how do you plan on doing that? Like it or not, I'm stuck until Vicky pulls me out.
1: Jack stops in front of a minivan with fake wooden panels mounted to the sides. He lets go of Tina's arm throws the passenger door open, then shoves her inside. Well, then I guess I'll have to find a way to unstick you. Jack's crazed eyes are the last thing we see as he swings the door shut. End of Act Two. Act Three. Exterior, desert, night. The minivan drives down a lonesome highway. The sand glows blue in the moonlight, butting up against the horizon. Interior, minivan, night. Tina rubs her eyes as she wakes up. Jack sits in the driver's seat, not wearing a seatbelt. A voice booms out over the radio. We're led to believe everybody agrees
7: with mind reading, yet everybody's scared to death of it. Look here, listeners. I say what I mean. You don't need to read my mind to know what's going on in there. So why does the Secret Service need to read my mind if I go see the president speak? This administration's anti-privacy agenda is a threat
1: to democracy. Jack reaches over and turns the radio down. Good to see you're awake. He tosses over a half full plastic bag. I
3: stopped a few miles back to get some coffee and snacks. Eat up. We still got about two
1: hours to go.
0: Where are you taking me?
1: It's classified. Jack turns the radio back up. Tina gobbles down some potato chips as the DJ speaks.
7: I have some news for you, liberals. If you don't have a problem with President Kerry trampling over our rights just because a Democrat, then I don't want to hear you complain when our next president, who will be a Republican, I assure you, you can't complain when the next president decides your feminazi college group needs their thoughts monitored
3: too.
0: What a blowhard. I guess no matter what world you're on, there will be guys like this trying to divide people. Can't say I'm surprised Jack listens to something like this. Government worker micromanaging his marriage? Yeah, he seems the type.
1: Jack spits into a styrofoam cup and puts it back in the cup holder. Judgmental munch? Guess
3: you want that different from my teen after all. This jackass is all I can pick up out here.
0: Crap. Keep forgetting you can read my mind. I blame the lack of coffee. Don't have to go far at 4th and Bar, Lucero Auto.
3: Quit with that damn jingle
0: about you let me alone with my thoughts for like two freaking seconds and maybe I'll stop with the damn jingle
1: Jack smiles and taps the wheel you
3: have got some guts I'll give you that I'm not going to stop reading your mind but it's admirable then again I'd imagine traveling across all those worlds takes a lot of guts
1: you have no idea Tina takes the granola bar out of the bag and opens the wrapper she takes a bite chewy
0: so why doesn't your wife love you anymore
1: The question catches Jack by surprise. He jerks the steering wheel, almost losing control of the van. Once he recovers, Tina continues.
0: Seems like she thinks your friend is pretty sexy. You had to see that coming.
1: Jack mulls it over as Tina munches on her granola bar. I don't know. I was starting to think
3: things were coming together, you know? Things picked up with the project. She was really supportive. She'd have dinner hot and ready whenever I got home. 8 p.m. or 8 a.m., it didn't matter. Then one day, I didn't make it home. President Kerry was coming in for some meetings, and we had to get ready. She said she understood, and I thought she did. Then the drifting started. Drifting? You know, like a log in a river. She was always out there on the water, but headed someplace, you know? I try to speak to her. I try to speak into her head, get a sense of what she was acting and how... Uh, but she would just be thinking about some stupid things she'd seen on the television that day. Did you ever ask her what was wrong? Sure, a billion times. She'd just smile and say it was nothing, then go back to what she was doing. After a while, I just stopped asking, why bother, right? Honestly, when I caught on about her and Andre, it was a relief. At least I knew she was
1: feeling something...
0: Maybe you could have let her do her own thing for a while. Figure herself out. My mom and dad had to do that.
1: Jack hunches over
3: the wheel. I don't know why I'm talking to you about this anyway. You might look like Tina,
1: but you sure as hell ain't her. Tina reaches out and puts her hand on Jack's shoulder.
0: Maybe it's because you realize you should have talked to her when you had the chance.
1: Jack grabs Tina's hand and shoves it away. Get your damn
3: hand off me. Who the hell are you to say that? You don't know me or her or
1: anyone.
0: Yeah, but I've gotten pretty good at reading strange situations.
1: Just, just go back to sleep. Jack turns the radio back up. Tina leans her head against the window, watching the mile markers tick by.
0: I wish there was some way to outsmart this guy, but he's not going to stop reading my mind long enough for me to figure something out.
1: She looks over at him, watching as he grumbles to himself behind the wheel.
0: I feel a little sorry for him. As somebody who's been through a world-ending breakup, I understand where he's at.
1: Jack glances at her out of the corner of his eye.
0: If you need a car, don't have to go far. At 4th and Bar, Lucero Bar, to drive like a star.
1: Jack turns his attention back to the road.
0: When Jim and I broke up, I probably would have shot 20 people to fix it. Luckily, I met Vicky before I did anything too nutty. Some people might say Jack's a typical man taken to violence and anger but are we really so different? If one of my friends had set her sights on Jim and Jim reciprocated, wouldn't I claw both of their eyes out? Jack might be angry, he might be violent, but he isn't the only, only those feelings. He's also in love, and he sees that love slipping away. Losing love affects men and women equally, I think. Heartbreak is universal across all realities. It always sucks.
1: A tear rolls down Jack's cheek. It sure does. Tina notes the distraction. Time to act before he starts reading her thoughts too closely.
0: If you need a car, don't have to go far. At 4th and Bar, Lucero, Otto, drive
1: like a star. She leans forward. Magic time. Jack is startled, looking between Tina and the road. Don't you even think about... Tina grabs the wheel, turning it sharply to the right. Exterior, desert, night. The minivan's tires squeal as it careens off the road, hitting a ditch, which sends it into a flip. Interior, minivan, night. The minivan tumbles around, sending loose items everywhere. Jack's body slams around the cabin. The coffee cup hits the ceiling. Exterior, desert, night. The van's last flip leaves it upside down, tires spinning in the air. Interior, minivan, night. Tina wakes up, still buckled in her seat, her dress stained with coffee. Jack lies in a ball on the van's ceiling, head bleeding from the wounds old and new. That's what you get for not wearing your seatbelt, asshole. She unlatches her belt and holds onto the door as she lowers herself down. End of Act 3. Act 4. Exterior, desert, night. The van is overturned in the sand. The moon glows bright in the sky, constellations barely visible through the clouds. Interior, van, night. Tina sits on the ceiling of the overturned van. Jack is sprawling out next to her, unconscious uh, amid the broken glass. A dark stream of liquid inches towards her. She dips her fingers in it, brings them to her nose.
0: Coffee. Shit, I've got to get out of here before.
1: A coyote howls in the distance. Where's that gun, jackass? She reaches down and pats Jack's jacket. Nothing. (sighs) Looks
0: like I'm stuck with you until morning.
1: She leans back against the dashboard.
0: God, it feels nice to think honest thoughts again. The past few hours, have felt absolutely fucking suffocating. Sometimes thoughts cross your mind you'll never act on. Yeah, like, what if I jump off this bridge? Or, I wonder if anybody would miss that homeless guy if I killed him and hid the body. Little stupid thoughts that everybody has. They come from nowhere. They mean nothing. They're like graffiti on the wall as you're walking down the street. But we'd all be mortified if anybody heard them. Imagine having to Lock that all down. It's no way to live. But as soon as he wakes up, I'll need to be ready to do it again.
4: Uh.
0: (laughs) How do you outsmart a telepath? He'll be able to tell if I'm lying, even to myself. I need to find a way to bring out the real emotion underneath the lie.
1: Interior. Theater. Day. Tina stands on a bare stage with a script in her hand. J.R. Riley, 40s, her director, scratches some notes on a yellow legal pad. His sweater vest bunches up around his baby bump of a midsection, his glasses hanging off the tip of his nose.
7: No, 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 I don't believe for one second you're a M'Fanwy Prince. You say you're in love with Mog Edwards, but I only hear meek little Tina Infantino pretending at passion.
0: Look, I have the lines, but the stuff is so dry. I am a draper, mad with love. Who talks like that?
1: Jr. hops onto the stage.
7: This is Thomas, my dear. There is more passion in one punctuation mark than some people feel in a lifetime. It's all there between the lines, but you'll never see it if you can't make it real to you. Have you ever loved somebody? Tina thinks for a moment. Well, I love Jim. No. I'm not talking about some simple schoolgirl crush fueled by alcohol and sleep deprivation. Real love. Burning love. Love that won't let you stop thinking about it. It's Jim! I love Jim like that!
1: JR grabs Tina by the shoulders. Fine. If it's Jim, then
7: how would you feel if he was always just out of reach? If, despite all this passion, you could never touch him. Never see him.
1: What if somebody ripped him away from you? Tina's eyes sink. I, I don't know what I'd do. J.R. tilts her head up to look her in the eye. There.
7: There's Mama Mifanwi. Now say the lines, quickly, before you lose it.
0: I will knit you a wallet of forget-me-not-blue for the money to be comfy. I will warm your heart by the fire so that you can slip it in under your vest. Then the shop is closed. Yes, Mog. Yes, Mog. Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: JR smiles at her.
7: See? You take something from your own life, apply it to these dry words, and find the real emotion underneath. That's all acting is, my dear. Convincing yourself that you could be somebody else, even for a moment.
1: Interior, fan, night. Jack rolls over. He's still asleep, but coughing up something that might be blood or might be dinner. It's hard to tell. Tina looks out the window over the desert.
0: My name is Tina Stepford. My name is Tina Stepford. I'm a housewife in the suburbs. I live to make my husband happy.
1: Interior, kitchen, day. Young Tina, 13, sits at a table eating a sandwich while mom and dad yell at each other in the background. We can't hear the words, just white noise. Interior, van, night. Tina rips off her apron and cleans her face. She leans down and brushes jack hair out of his eyes.
0: My name is Tina Stepford, and my husband has been such a jerk lately. I really can't be bothered to care anymore. Sometimes it seems like his work is more important to him than I am. I want to redecorate the living room. I want to look I want you to look at me like Andre did. I want to feel a spark when you kiss me, Jack. I want our first date every night forever. Is that too much, so much to ask?
1: Jack's eyes flutter open. He blinks away the blood pouring down his face when he moves. the sound of crunching glass accompanies his the motion. Tina Tina, is that you? Tina scoops up his head in her arms.
0: Oh, Jack. Oh, dear, don't move. You'll only hurt yourself more.
1: What happened? I was driving. I... Jack looks up at Tina as if he's seen a ghost. You! You grab the wheel! You better start running, you stupid bitch, or I'm going to... Tina grabs his ear.
0: Now stop that right now, mister, or I'm going to rip this darn thing off.
1: Wait. I... Jack looks into Tina's eyes. He sees something there there that was there before, then wasn't, but came back just now. It's you. Tina hugs him hard, pulling his head into her bosom and rocking him gently back and forth.
0: Of course it is, you big jerk. Careful now, slowly. Can, can you feel this?
1: She pinches his leg. Christ, that stings.
0: Good, then you are not paralyzed.
1: She reaches over Jack to open the driver's side door. The van is tilted just enough that Jack spills out onto the ground. Exterior, desert, night. Tina shambles out of the van behind Jack, crawling over him, then helping him to his feet. Could have taken it a little slower.
0: What happened? Why were we driving out here? Where are we?
3: So, you don't remember anything?
0: I remember dinner. We were eating dinner, then nothing. What happened? Where's Andre?
1: Jack grimaces pulls back from Tina, turns away. Andre, huh? Of course you're worried about him. Tina spins Jack back around until he's facing her again.
0: Jack Nicholas Stepford, have you been reading my mind? How dare you violate me like that?
3: Jack grabs her arm. Don't turn this around on me. You're the one who kept pretending that he he was kissing your neck.
0: Well, maybe if you'd kiss my neck every now and then, I wouldn't have to imagine somebody else doing it.
1: Tina stomps across the sand and sits on a rock to look at the moon. Close on Tina. Something glitches inside her. Exterior, Aubrey Park, night. A younger, happier Tina and Jack fall back on a blanket, clothing askew. They bask in the afterglow and stare at the moon. Exterior, desert, night. Tina looks shocked. That wasn't her memory, but it felt so real. Jack limps up behind her. He's taken his shirt off and wrapped it around his head to stem the bleeding. He's carrying his jacket in his right hand. That was a good night, huh?
0: There you go, reading my mind again.
1: I just had to be sure of something. Tina turns around, sees Jack's makeshift bandage. You look like an idiot. They both chuckle. Tina shivers. Jack drapes his jacket over her shoulders. Yep, yep. He sits down beside her. A moment of silence passes between them. What's wrong here? What happened to us? Tina reaches out and takes his hand.
0: I love you a lot. Please know that. I knew when my mind started wandering, those weren't thoughts a married woman should be having. You have to understand, I didn't think you even gave a crap anymore.
1: Jack taps his uninjured temple with two fingers. All you had to do was
3: look up there if you haven't
1: had any doubt of that. A tear drifts down Tina's cheek.
3: But you're my
0: husband! I shouldn't have to read your mind to know you love me. I should just... know. You know? Maybe if you didn't spend so much time on that damn project, it would be a little more obvious.
3: The project? Tina, everything I do there, everything I do is for my career, is for you. For us. How do you think we can pay for our house? The pool? The new granite
1: countertops that you love so much?
0: I do love those.
1: Tina lays her head on Jack's shoulder.
0: But what good is it if you're never there to enjoy it with me? I didn't marry you to land on the cover of Home and Garden magazine. I married you because you made me all warm and fuzzy inside. We could live in a damn van for all I care. I just need you in my life again.
1: Jack lays his head on hers, playing with her hair as they stare at the moon. Tina's eyes close. Jack coughs to wake her up. You really don't care about it? The house, or any of it?
0: It's nice, but I'd rather have you.
3: Maybe we could just pitch a tent out here. Reunite with nature. Tina looks up at him with a twinkle in her eye.
0: Make love in the moonlight?
1: Just like our first date. They move close. A kiss. Electricity sparks between them. It's passionate. They, they're lost in each other until lights, wind, sand, the sound of helicopter blades. What's that? Jack looks up to see a helicopter. Project Olympus. Shit. Delroy found me somehow. Jack points to the road. A dozen Humvees tear down the lonesome highway towards the wrecked van at the side of the road. What do we do? Jack jumps up and puts his hands in the air. They want me. You'll be safe if you stay here. Do whatever they say. He takes a few steps towards the approaching convoy.
0: No, I love you. We were only now...
1: Then be here when I get back. Tina wraps her arms around him, shaking her head.
0: No, no, no. We can run. We can...
1: They'll always find us. Jack kisses her one final time, then pushes her away. He continues towards the road. Tina stands in the desert, tears streaming down her face. She pulls his jacket tight around her shoulders.
0: If you'd have told me a few hours ago, I'd be blubbering over this blockhead. I'd have laughed in your face. But as he leaves, I can feel my heart breaking. Maybe it isn't my heart. It's Tina Stepfurtz, that little piece of her that still loves him. It's part of me somehow.
1: A vibration. Rainbow light shines through the pocket on Tina's apron. <gasps> Vicky, oh, thank God. Tina fishes the phone out. On the screen, multicolored swirling particles. The display reads, waiting for user confirmation. Tina hits the home button below the screen. A green light washes over her face. On the screen, the display reads identity confirmed. The particles fade. Vicky's cartoon face appears.
6: Listen, you need to be more careful. I'm an advanced electronic device. If home base has to repair me one more time, they're going to start charging you. Good call engaging the auto lock back there. You could have stopped him before he shorted out my battery, though. Boy, did that sting. So, are you ready to begin this mission?
1: Tina looks out towards the convoy. The Humvees stop. Jack falls to his knees as armed security closes in.
6: I think the mission's over. Are you crying? What did I miss? Must be juicy. Perhaps I should consult this world's FAQ.
0: Don't bother. It's a sick, sad world anyway. In fact, don't take me to another world like this for a while. I don't think my heart
6: can take it. My mind, either.
1: Vicky's cartoon face rolls her eyes.
6: Jeez, save it from his lonely hearts. So you ready to move on then?
1: The armed security loads Jack to the back of a Humvee. Two men start out towards Tina.
0: No, but we do need to leave. And Vicky? Yes? Make the next world somewhere awesome.
1: Tina wipes her face with her jacket.
6: I'm tired of all this emo crap.
1: On the screen, Earth swirl across the display.
6: You got it. Trust me, sister. This next world is going to make you feel like a kid again. Guaranteed. Prepare for infinity.
1: A rainbow aura surrounds Tina's body. The desert melts around them. Tina floats in a sea of nothing. A white dot appears on the horizon. Her body flies towards it as the aura glows brighter and brighter. Violin music kicks in.
0: See that little white dot? It is me. I am it. I'm electric. I am the sun and the stars and the wind and the air. I am the melody God strums on the strings of the universe. I am pure possibility spliced together with skin. I am infinite Tina.
1: Tina disappears in the distance.
0: And I am in transition.
1: Fade out. The end. All right, that's a wrap. I, I want to thank you guys uh, so much. We, we we got through the the, the hard parts. Uh, had had a cast member drop out midway through, and we still managed to make it. Uh, this is great. I want to thank all of you for for reading this. I I I, I really enjoyed the read. I, I saw a couple spots in the script. I need to tighten up a little bit, but uh, all very very good. Uh, I I, I want to go ahead and let everyone introduce themselves. Uh, first of all, uh, well, I'm Bill Meeks. You guys know me. Uh, Tina. Hi, I'm Anne Marie Desimone. Where can people find you online? You can find
0: me on Twitter at AMD Simone.
1: Okay, uh, next up, Jack. Yes,
3: I'm Joel Van Valkenburg Huff. I'm on Twitter at Bizox, which is B I Z A U X. And I don't even know if it showed up uh, right there, that little box right there. It's for a blog I write called Ghost Train Story. It's mm-hmm. at ghost train story dot dot com.
1: It's just a horror story about a ghost train. Awesome, Ooh. awesome. Okay, uh, Vicky.
6: Yeah, my name is Rebecca Johnson, and you can find me on Twitter at derbykid. That's D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D.
1: And you also host a great podcast called Supergirl Radio.
6: I do, I do. Uh, okay,
1: uh, Andre.
5: Hey, I'm Bobby Hawk. Uh, you, uh, you can find me on Twitter at inevitablehawk calling in us, these two do with the exception of
1: we're so lost. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Okay, uh, Georgina.
4: Hi, I'm Elizabeth Placencia. You can find me on Facebook and you can also find me on Twitter at Queen underscore Liz 87, I believe is what it is.
1: <laughs> and finally, last but not least, uh, Tim Delroy slash J.R. Riley slash The Voice of the Cat. And the radio guy. And the radio guy. Uh,
7: hi, I'm. that's right. Don't forget that radio guy. Uh, I'm Jason George. Uh, mostly, I'm on Facebook. You can find me there under that name, not to be confused with the actor of the same name, it makes a living like on Law and Order or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm occasionally on Twitter at uh, j George. But primarily, if I'm on Twitter, it's to run a joke account that my friends and I have called <laughs> Rick. There, that uh, mixes a love of professional wrestling with popular culture and. Um, follow us on Facebook and like us on Twitter
1: awesome well well, again I want to thank you guys so much if you like the script at all if you have any comments if you're interested in uh, maybe helping produce it or something like that definitely feel free to contact me bill at universefox.com I'm on Twitter at Bill Meeks and uh, if if you're listening to the podcast version right away we're going to go into a little discussion amongst us about the story and everything. And if you're watching on YouTube or whatever, uh, just, uh, you know, refresh the YouTube channel. We should be going live in about five minutes with that. So uh, thank you all so much again for listening to infinite Tina and uh, have a good night. And welcome back. Uh, we're back for the post-Infinite uh, Tina table read discussion. Uh, we, we don't have all of our cast members with us, uh, but we do have Joel and Rebecca, Vicki and Jack, respectively. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Excellent. Good. Uh, long time no speak. It's been about five minutes. <laughs> uh, so so uh, before we, uh, we, uh, I say anything, uh, how did all the three of you – oh, and we also have yeah. Tina. Yeah, hi, I'm Amber. Tina. People expect Amber here. <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh it, how do, how do you guys think it went?
6: I I I thought it went well. I thought it I went thought really it was, good. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Had a good time.
3: Yeah, I, I mean I've done a lot of table reads it's been a long time since I did one but it went great. It's hard because there's a lag always yeah. but it's it was pretty pretty well. It worked pretty well.
1: Yeah, I was a little worried about how, how responsive people were going to be because of the lag and the fact we're doing it over live stream. I mean, live stream is fine for podcasting. Right. But, you know, doing like live uh, reading and theater and stuff like that, it's like, how's it going to go? But I I thought people did well for the most part. There yeah. were a couple little gaps here and there. Yeah,
0: there's going to be gaps. It's, yeah. You know, Some of them
1: stream. were my fault. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. Well, you do that thing too. I I, I did it uh, a couple
3: times where you – you're confident, want to deliver a line, and in doing so, you change it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> isn't you know, but yeah. But yeah, but it, the problem with you know, you have a lag, and you wonder is it because uh, somebody missed their cue or is it the lag? Right. But thankfully, it wasn't a lot of lag, so you're like, oh, somebody's got to look at the script really quick.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, that was something you guys did really well with, though, because in kind of like my pre-table read, because this is our first time doing something like this, you know, I kind of sent out a pre-communication of like some, you know, just some things I wanted to focus on getting right with it, and one of them was uh, keep that train of chugging, and <laughs> you guys did. Even if you stumble over a word, I, if somebody like I, which by the way, I forgot to thank her in the actual broadcast, but Monica, who was playing Lana originally, who, whose connection dropped halfway through. Uh, we were able to keep it rolling with that because Rebecca was prepared to to step in there because she was going to because we thought Monica wasn't going to make it.
0: There was lots of the confusion, but there, that's the way. That's you know that's yeah. theater.
1: Yeah, I think that's actually the only time we had. There was that well, that and the cat thing. That and the cat thing were the only times we like we like broke <laughs> Stuttered. The, the yeah the train kind of like. Yeah. But uh, no, I I thought it was really good. To...
0: It was a lot better the the other day. Um, me and Bill read the entire thing with me doing all the women and he did everything <laughs> else and Vicky. Yeah, and it's so much nicer to have you know a back and forth. Um, you know. For more than one person because, you know, there's the scenes where I'm talking to Jack and Andre and everybody and, you know, not having to talk to myself or having to hear you be multiple people.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having to, like, constantly switch emotions Right, and, and
0: figure out who you're being. And Yeah, it makes it a lot easier when we get a group mm-hmm. together to do it.
1: Yeah, definitely. So. Uh, yeah, did, did you guys... Uh, hear anything different in the story or see parts of the story in a different light, uh, having it, it doing, like, the live reading with a full cast and everything?
3: Well, I hear characters' heads, you know, voices in my heads as I read them, and uh-huh. it's, there's a difference uh, between Tina when she's, you know, in the story compared to when she's, like, in her house arguing with her mom, like a teenage version of her, but, mm-hmm. yeah, and then
1: hearing Anne-Marie's take on it, it put new light to it. How old was that character supposed to be, did they say? 20s. Yeah, uh, it, it, as in, in like the the modern setting of the story, she's she's in her twenties. Uh, so, and I mean, she's only been doing this whole transitioning thing for a few months. She's been on maybe eight or a dozen adventures, something like that. Not not too many. She's still pretty new to it, but uh, not not a complete newbie. Not
0: so, yeah.
1: yeah. I
3: like the uh, the Deadpool style flashback. Like, we're gonna go back to what you <laughs> learned and how you learned how to do it. Halfway through yeah. the story, that way you're focused on what she's doing at the beginning.
1: Yeah. Oh, and we have uh, Andre uh, joining us. Bobby, how you doing, man? Hey. Hello, Robert. Hey, hey I'll, I'll go ahead and throw it to you. We were just talking with Joel about this. Uh, did Did you uh, view the story any differently, or hear anything different in the story doing it with the full cast and everything? By the way, you did a great job on Andre, and oh, oh. everyone did a great job. A great job accolades all around. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, of course.
5: And uh, but I guess uh the first I I read it maybe three or four times. Uh, and uh it's I mean by the nature of the story it's a, it can be a bit confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 I still there are spots like maybe like in the read through it was a it was a few there were a few times where it was hard to kind of keep you know to understand what was going on uh without any kind of like audio or visual visual cues mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: that's one of the harder parts with all Tina's like crazy voiceovers and there's all sorts yeah. of quick flashes, which is hard it's awkward to hear the mm-hmm. description of the quick flashes,
1: but if it was in the show, it would be like just a few seconds
0: right, you know? and you can kind of see it. Mm-hmm. you can kind of tell where they go and how they work. It's just it's awkward to just mm-hmm. read or hear.
1: Are, are there any parts that kind of stuck out to you, Bobby, as being difficult in the read? Um. Uh. Okay.
5: Um. I'm sorry. Uh. The the part at the end with uh Jack and Tina, okay. where Tina kind of like slips into that world's Tina.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
5: And then I'm, I mean I know this doesn't put, take place in in the story itself, but uh, kind of confused as to uh, what would happen to the that Tina once the other Tina left.
1: Well, like what would happen to the original Tina when? Well, well, it state no, no, no.
5: It stated in the thing that when the original Tina leaves, or yeah, I guess whatever you're
1: calling original Tina. That, see this the whole. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's ca- let's call uh, the the Tina Infantino um, yeah. we're introduced so to on Jack's page one, Tina Prime. Tina Prime. <laughs> okay, there we go. And then Jack's
5: Tina would have been like in a whole, you know, in stasis or wherever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a la quantum leap. Yes.
7: Yeah.
5: Um. So so when Tina when Tina Prime leaves uh and she's standing there in the desert, then I guess like I mean, does she just run i mean i, I mean I don't know it, it, it's it was i don't know it left me confused at that point
1: well i uh, you, you know in your, your brain of quantum leap, yes, this does owe quite a bit i kind of the elevator pitch is quantum leap in the multiverse mm-hmm. yes. uh but but yeah there there would definitely be that question of like, well, what would the original uh character do when they got back to their body? And how would they react to that? And we, we, I, I think there might have been a couple exceptions, like when he he leaped into people a second time and stuff. Yeah, where we kind of kind of got a sense of what might have happened after. Right, we you know, get that he, second he leaped out, or uh, in this yeah. case, uh, Tina Prime would transition out. But uh, yeah, I think it's just meant to be left kind of up in the air question mark What would happen? I I would assume, as the writer, uh, and I made up the world, so I can say this uh, that. that she would just be kind of confused and then those soldiers who were coming after would capture and she would be left with like a mess of questions. Although they, there is the aspect too that um, al- there's a little bit of character bleed mm-hmm. in that uh, a little bit of the original Tina kind of leaks into Tina Prime. And I would say probably a little bit of Tina Prime probably leaks back into... Just enough.
0: I actually yeah. found...
1: So, so she might have some like residual memories or something.
0: I actually found it so much more clear this time reading through. Like mm-hmm. I've I've read this a few times now. And it was out loud and you know, to myself, and it was so much clearer this time. Mm-hmm. So much clearer having different voices and actually vocalizing it myself.
1: Yeah. Um Well well to be fair, like you you don't really have a lot of experience reading uh screenplays or television. No, or not
0: even like not even yeah. close.
1: Um, it's like, it's a hard it's a hard thing to get a knack for, to like get, get your head around because right. it, it's written to be visual but it's not visual it's just text on a page
0: kind right, of right but I mean I could see the the transition the the character bleed mm-hmm. between the two Tinas way more this time like mm-hmm. I think I glazed over it a uh-huh. bit just reading it and when we sped through it the other day um, I think this time I actually could sense it more. I Mm -hmm. could see what she was doing, and where it, you know, took her by surprise. So I think the Tina Stepford would have had just enough to not like fall over and just start screaming out of terror, Um, Uh (laughs) so that like when the people came up to her, Mm -hmm. she she wouldn't fall over and start screaming out of terror.
5: Yeah, and that's oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, The only reason I ask is because it was almost like a story point. That Jack like sacrificed himself so that Tina could get away. His mm-hmm. Tina could get away because mm-hmm. at that point that Tina bled into Prime or whatever right. was going on there. So yeah. it almost it, it almost makes it feel a little hollow. Well, I, so I think you, I think. Are Jack, you saying, Bobby, that you thought that uh, he knew that that was still fake Tina at the very end? No, I don't think he knew that was still a fake at the very
1: end. I I mean, I'm not the writer. I mean, I'm just... (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I think uh, where Jack was at that point, he was like, okay, I'm kind of screwed here. Mm -hmm. Uh, The best thing I can probably do is go and give myself up, and hopefully they'll let her go.
0: I think that's what it was. It brought them to a place of peace. She was able, by acting like his actual wife, it was able to get him to chill the heck out mm-hmm. and be at peace with where their relationship was so that he could do the right thing of turning himself in, which that was still a little weird because weren't they sort of after the other Tina? Nah. Um <laughs> But I think it would have done better for them in the end.
1: Yeah, as, as, as for being after the other Tina, uh, I would assume uh, being the person who created the world yes. um, that uh, they as soon as they realized Jack was gone, they were out of there they didn't they, they, you know they might have sent in like an ambulance to deal with Lana and uh, Regina and all that oh, not but but they didn't they didn't stay there to talk. They were like okay, we need to we get need Jack to back. Uh, kind of thing. Ah. Ah. Jack's back. Ah. Jack's back. Uh, But uh, Rebecca, what about you? Did you uh, hear or see or feel anything differently about the story uh, through the table read?
6: Well, the whole dinner party thing, I think, was a little clearer for me, hearing different voices. And I want to compliment Bobby. He did such a great job that I, I totally... Uh, sympathized with Andre and his situation with you know Jack and their friendship and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think I got as much out of that just reading it, but Bobby actually did a really good job of making that come through. So oh I yeah, think, I think the whole dinner party thing made a lot more sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah yeah, and uh, definitely Bobby, uh, major props to you. I I thought I thought that kind of disappointment and where their friendship had, had gone came across very, very clearly. I thought you did a really good job with that for sure it's yeah. been
5: a long time since I've done anything like that guess <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to do you know theater and whatnot mm-hmm. but I think
1: I think most of us did. I was about for- to
0: say the internet, where theater geeks go to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Rebecca, have you ever done any theater?
6: Or um, I mean, I was like in a one-act play, but I don't think I don't think I had any lines. I had a lot of friends who were in theater. I was usually that person who was like playing bassoon in the orchestra for the musical. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
6: I, d- I I always had aspirations to want to be an actor, but I I just was no good at it. But uh, but so this was fun to actually. Try to do something like this.
1: Well, yeah, I, I thought you did a uh, a fine job with Vicky. Like I, I like I, I, as it says in the script, even I kind of modeled it off of a sort of like the prototypical modern comedian, yeah. uh, sort of thing. And I know I know you're a real big fan of you know Tina Fey and I was Liz Levin. So, so, so uh, <laughs> a, 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 as soon as you said you wanted to do it, I was like. She has to be Vicky because, I mean, if nothing else, she'll do a really good impression of those people, which is exactly what's needed in this role. So I I thought you did a really good job.
6: Well, I decided to go against, like, an accent or uh, trying to do something. I was like, no, I'll just play it like myself, an over-exaggerated version of myself
1: yeah i i I don't know if uh if you saw or not but you, you got some chuckles out of me and I, that's really hard because I've read these lines like six billion times now so uh. right.
6: <laughs> well i I found that myself that while people were reading and the the way they you know would have inflections in their voice i I would get i mean I laughed while I was reading, but hearing mm-hmm. it somehow it makes a difference. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, it's a. I mean, uh, it's it's a performer's medium, and uh, yeah. they like uh, if you have good performers, all they can do is enhance it. So that's true. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm, I'm personally pleased as punch with the way it came out. Uh, <laughs> soup to nuts, I'm pleased as punch.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, Bill, what's your next step? I mean, is this uh, is this read through something that you can save and show to whoever you want to present it to, or I think you said in the very, very beginning that you were your idea was to shop around to uh, streaming companies, yeah. Netflix, so on, so yeah. forth.
1: Yeah, Amazon actually already has it. Uh, they they still have not responded yet because uh, they, they have sort of like an open submission process. Cool. I, uh, the read-through is going to be hosted up on infinitina.com, uh, where all my contact info is. I'm going to like honestly uh you know if people are listening to this in the podcast version if you liked it uh definitely feel free to share a link to infinitina.com with anyone you can think of you know random b celebrity from yes. x show or you know, this rend- is the
0: one time when ben- Bill is going to whore himself out.
1: Yeah, basically, basically. <laughs> he <laughs>
0: normally hates when you at like when tweet at people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Not this time. Just, yeah. just blast the internet.
1: Yeah, definitely. Feel free to share it with whoever. And I, like I said, I have it over at uh, Amazon. I'm going to be putting it up on uh, the blacklist site, uh, which is sort of a place uh, for stuff like this to get found. Uh, so, so I'm going to be putting it up there too, and I'm going to be sending out query letters. This, that, and the other. I definitely, I it was written and aimed for a streaming platform, though. Obviously, with the, the language, uh, yeah, with the language and stuff. I, I'm not exactly aiming at networks for this. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a streaming platform or, uh, you know, premium cable. Uh, you know, like a HBO, HBO Showtime. Showtime, AMC, something like that that yeah. would allow a little bit of cursing. And it, obviously, you know, if CBS wants it. We'll make adjustments. All the asses and Fs and <laughs> Ss are gone, for sure. No, you can totally see gonna it. Be you a just pick. Pick it. You just be like,
3: well, did you guys love Quantum Leap? Do you want an updated version There's of it? Do right. you want it on Netflix original?
1: There you go. Well, and I
0: exactly. think, um, and I told him this because he started writing it as a book series. That's yeah, right. I, I'm just going to throw that out there for I, you. I
1: have two books written, not completely edited yet. <laughs> uh, but... but you
0: have a Bible for like three seasons five seasons. Okay, a bible for five seasons. Yeah, like with ideas. Um I you have the setup for a series.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You also have it's a strong female lead character which is yeah. Well, I push that as much as humanly possible <laughs> anymore, but you know, things are leaning a lot more towards giving that as an option.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, post and, uh, Star Wars the Force Awakens strong female roles are are in vogue now for sure.
0: Yes. But and I think there's enough variety to it mm-hmm. that and well let's just be honest, it's not a police show, a medical show, a law and order type but show. It can
5: be any three of those things. Exactly. Exactly. Law what, what, and order infinite <laughs>
1: Infinitina, S V U. No,
3: no, no, no. Black screen bad. just says in transition,
5: multiverse. <laughs> and as far as the cursing goes, like she could just like every world she goes to could have different curses that exactly. are not like, a, like a like a frack or a right. yeah, exactly.
0: well, uh-huh. on um like the one hundred, which is on the CW, they say go float yourself.
5: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> float. It's like Because they used to live on a ship and that's how they would kill people is they would <laughs> float them. So <laughs> I thought it was weird at first, but it works.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, this is a project that would be really good for an actress, just because it's kind of like Orphan Black in the sense that there's one starring actress, but she gets to play so many different kinds of characters, all within the same character. Right. You know, so I I think it would really be a a good role for, you know, just like a, a very good character actress who could kind of slip seamlessly between, you know, like a Tina Stepford. Or why uh, I, I don't want to give too much away about the other episodes. I well, maybe I will in a second. But all sorts of different variety of characters uh, are avail are available there. I mean, the possibilities are infinite, almost. Infinite. <laughs> well, that leads, that leads me to the question. So there's there's
3: Tina, but is would there be other reoccurring characters? Because it kind of sets itself up for like here's you know Scott Bakula mm-hmm. and 18 people on an episode of Quantum League.
1: There are besides Vicky. There are reoccurring characters. Um, some of them are different versions of the characters. Like within these alternate worlds, like she runs into. Uh, I well, yeah, I guess I can give it away. Um no, don't give it away!
0: Don't well, give it away. Well, I won't
1: give it completely away. But she runs into a a female version of her ex boyfriend uh, in <laughs> one of them. And uh, there's actually uh in uh, she would be intro- introduced a few episodes down the line. But there's actually like sort of an arch villain. Uh who who I, I'd probably just call Susan in the script in the show, but I, I in my head I call her singular Susan and she only exists once in the multiverse, but she can travel around and do things, not like Tina does, transition into different versions Spoiler. of herself. But just like, you know she could, forget she, it. Yep. <laughs> yeah she can she can move between different worlds and stuff so so I mean that would be definitely be a reoccurring character but
0: there's not many
1: yeah and I mean there's Vicky and there's whatever's going on at home base Uh, we, would become more prominent as the series goes on I'll say that
6: I don't
0: think I actually know that part
6: so. <laughs> yeah I want to know about Vicky's boss uh-huh that yeah. that was the, that was another thing that when I was reading it I was like oh mm-hmm that's have, that's uh, something I would like to see the reveal of who her <laughs> boss is.
1: What were you gonna say, Bobby? I said
5: that I have theories.
1: You have the they, theories. You, you know what? Hit, hit me up with your theory. No, I, I, I won't tell you right or, right. Right. right or night. Right or night? Right. Right or not? Sorry, I did a lot of talking tonight. That the. Um, oh, oh, you're breaking oh, up a little
5: oh, bit, Bob.
0: Not
5: happening. Try it again. Vicky. So Tina made Vicky. The, the Tina, Tina made, the Vicky. made
0: Vicky. <gasps> oh that's another like t-
5: Future Tina? T- t- no, not future
1: Tina, just another a Tina from another world. Film. Oh yeah. That works. I like that. Yeah, definitely. I like definitely. That. That's a good theory. I I'm not going to say if it's right or wrong, but uh that's definitely a good <laughs> theory. I uh, do you guys have any other questions about the world or like theories about the world or anything? Because you know I I kind of set this up to kind of present a lot of those in, in a lot of the, because I sent this out to like 20 or 22 people, something like mm-hmm. that to read as I was kind of revising it. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, they were asking the right questions. And I, I was wondering if you guys had any theories or anything about what might be going on in the world of worlds of Infinitina.
6: Well, I'm just curious. Are you, are you planning on having like a season long arc or is it just episode <clears throat> by episode?
1: Uh, it's definitely a season-long arc, uh, basically, and uh, you guys probably noticed uh, it, there's a couple motifs at work uh, throughout throughout the story. There's a, there's a, a rainbow motif, uh, which is pretty prominent. And basically, the way I, I set up the series is each season is a color. Season one is red, mm. uh, and it, it, it basically it spells out Roy G. Bibb, you know, uh, yeah. the yeah, the, yeah. the rainbow spectrum. But each each uh, Color it, color is a season, and each color is representative of an emotion
5: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, it's well, basically it's about yeah, kind of uh, and it's basically Tina kind of dealing with that emotion and then moving on so so, so uh, I, every season had there's also um, you know I, I, I think uh, JG who voiced uh, J. R. Riley, uh, the radio talk show host, and the cat, uh, kind of <laughs> laughed <laughs> at, at the cat. Uh, but the cat is actually a big part of the season-long arc. Oh, like, because the uh,
6: cat was orange. Does that play into anything?
1: It, the the orange cat the the cat is actually orange because I wanted it to be like Garfield. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> different colors, different seasons. Yeah, but uh, it, the, I I'll I'll just say that the cat and the meteor shower, that's all part of the season-long arc. Uh, Ooh. for for sure, kind kind of like how uh. In, I I think it was the fourth season of Doctor Who, like, all the worlds were disappearing. Yes. In every world Tina visits in this season, there's something going on with a meteor shower or a red cloud, and then in the last couple uh, episodes of the season, you find out what's actually been going on the whole time. And there's space vikings, so... (laughs) You you had
0: the the space... Was it space pirates, too? No, space... Just the space vikings? Just space
1: vikings, just space and Vikings. didn't
0: you tell me about Space po- Vikings, like, literally two weeks before, like, Doctor Who did Space Vikings?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It was literally, like, he's like, well, i, had I the, got this idea.
1: No, I had the entire thing written oh, be, right. before before they came out with Space Vikings, and I was worried that they were going to, like, hit the things I was hitting in the Space Vikings two-parter, uh, but they didn't, thankfully. So. <laughs> so we're safe. Space Vikings will come. Uh, but uh, let's see... Yeah. I could probably tease out a couple of the other story ideas I have for it. Um, In this one, if you guys know our love of Disney, uh, you you might be expecting this, but it actually predates our love of Disney. Uh, There's a world where uh, a Walt Disney-esque character's head is actually frozen and then reanimated on a robot body and he genetically engineers real versions of all his famous cartoon characters. Uh, so, so that's one. That's cool.
5: Uh,
1: I, I'm trying to think. There's space vikings, obviously. Uh, there's the world where animals are people too. Um, <laughs> Tell me that's a line in it. That, that is. Animals are people too. That is, and actually that, that speaks a lot to directly what gets addressed uh, <laughs> in the story itself. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, of any other kind of fun ones that I can say in just a sentence or two. I'm um, on you're on Facebook. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, there, there's actually there's a biodome world uh, where it's literally the plot of biodome. <laughs> but gets plugged into it.
6: That's an underrated movie. That's a good comedy. Yeah. I like that one.
1: And uh, then there's Plus also... I think that Baldwin brother could use the work. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> we would cast him. We would cast him for sure. You got some budget I don't know about? And uh, then, then there, there's a world that is uh, Tina's favorite cartoon show from when she was a kid, and she gets plopped down right in the center of it. Is, is right she animated?
6: There? Yeah, is that an animated episode?
1: It is not an animated episode. She actually is surprised that, uh, babe, you know how in the '80s, like uh, the animation was really cheap, and they'd have extras in the background, and you'd see three of the same guy.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: She sees three of the same guy standing in the crowd behind her, and she's like, "Wait a second, <laughs> like, what, what's going on here?" Because uh, it's obviously real life, uh, but she sees three people who look exactly the same standing in the crowd behind her. Uh, but yeah, that, that one's pretty fun. Uh, I, I I'd say more, but I, they Not kind enough. of they yeah they 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 give away a little much I think. So uh, what so color pretty... did you say the first season was? Red. Like the clouds. Yeah yeah, yeah like oh. the clouds, for sure. And uh, you don't see it very much in this episode, but um, I'll ju- I'll just say that Tina gets increasingly frustrated with the fact that. Vicky is very withholding on information about home base. And so it, it eventually kind of represents her anger about that too and about kind kind of not having any answers to why this is going on. So So there's that too. And stuff. In things. In mm-hmm. junk. Emery, what'd you think about Voice and Tina? That's the most acting I've done in a very long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it
0: was fun. It's mm-hmm. fun. Um, It's nice because it's a role that gets you to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Even while well within itself. It is hard to do voice over voice and regular voice.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I was thinking that there has to be some I way was to Wonder kind of what it. that was.
0: Yeah, that was me doing voice over voice.
1: I figured if it was a little muffled that it might at least audibly set it off a little bit because I didn't want to, every time she was doing a voice over, read voice over. You know, yeah. <laughs> so...
0: Yeah, that, that's why
1: I, mean, I was saying about... Like audio
5: cues or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like some sort of just like like soft background music along, you know, to to signify that it's going mm-hmm. into that it's in voiceover.
1: Yeah, if, if I had a a little bit more energy and a little more time, I I would like I I would totally like edit together sort of a radio play version of this with sound effects and this that and the other. But that's not the medium I'm intending it for, so it fe- feels like kind of a waste uh, to put my energy into that when I could be putting it into the, Marketing writing more script,
5: episodes,
1: writing more episodes, marketing the script, all that kind of stuff.
5: How many episodes have you already written?
1: <clears throat> um there are let's see here. Tr- 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 10.
5: Uh, so I it, pretty much a first season.
1: I uh, the first two seasons actually because they're like uh, they're short seasons. Well, I don't have them written in script form. I this is what I have written in script form. In book form, in prose form. I have the first two seasons written uh, Infinitina red and Infinitina orange uh so, so ten episodes british seasons, yeah, yeah, like british seasons uh short mm-hmm. seasons uh but a series. but yeah a series <laughs> yeah uh but but they're each made up of uh two two parters and then one one parter uh and this was the one one parter from uh the first season, and actually this uh might be interesting to note that originally this was. The third episode uh, of Infinite Tina. There was a two-parter first, and then this was the third episode. But when I decided to go ahead and write a pilot from it, I was like, you—you kind of have to have the origin story there in the beginning. And I thought I'd come up with a really neat way to get the origin story in there without it being an origin story episode, where you know Jack kind of extracts it from her mind and everything. So, so I decide, decided to write this as the, uh, you know, the first. Pilot episode, and I think I think when I go back and do the final edit on the book, if I do, I, I mean, if it gets picked up to series, I probably won't. You won't have time. Yeah, but uh, if uh, you, you know, if I go back and do the rewrite, I'll rewrite this as the first episode of that too, because I, I I felt like it, as I was moving on and I was writing episodes four and five, I felt like this was kind of like a really nice into the world uh, versus the other one, which is kind of like big epic blockbuster kind of thing. I thought this was a one with TV, I thought it was a nice cheap way to get started on a very big grand concept that might end up taking quite a bit, bit of budget because there's so many grand ideas in it. I thought this would be a nice I I mean, you know, you have the cut cutaways to uh you know like bird earth and uh, the pirate world and this that and the other, but a lot of that can be shot on That for, damn clown. That damn clown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know a of, <laughs> but a, a lot of that can be uh sort of shot in front of a green screen like right. 3 seconds whatever and it'll make good for i don't know like a commercial or something like that without spending all the money on the Bird earth earth episode right. you know so so i i i actually uh i i don't know if you guys caught this inspiration but i was actually inspired quite a bit by the uh oh what's the name of the episode i can't remember I now uh, the episode of Doctor Who where he's stuck in the uh, the travel vessel and there's the monster outside. Um, I'm trying Uh-oh. to remember what it was called. It was from the fourth season. Hold on, let me uh, look I've up. I've never watched a full episode of Doctor Who. Oh. Well, oh, you're kicked out of this hangout now. We're uh, done with you. Who uh, series <laughs>
5: four? Hold on, it's like, talking I, about the new season, so David Tennant then.
1: Yeah, it was D- David Tennant and Catherine Tate. I mean, I'll have it here in a second. Which makes it all fabulous. midnight. Uh, the episode midnight, uh, where they're kind of just all stuck in this kind of closed room for most of the episode. I uh, and that's kind of what I tried to do in in this episode. Was I, uh, you know, just trapped all these different characters in the dining room at a dinner party for a majority of the episode to kind of outline the world, what it was like, give you the history of it, It'll let you know what Tina's deal was kind of in it, and then break out and kind of have, like, the resolution of, you know, the main plot. You know, the, basically the conflict between Andre, uh, Tina Stepford, and Jack. So so uh, it, it was inspired by Midnight, the Midnight episode of Doctor Who. That's
0: what I'm looking up now. <laughs> so I can't remember it.
1: So uh, let's see here. Uh, We should probably go ahead and... uh, After 11. Yeah, it is after (laughs) 11. We should probably go ahead and wrap this up. Do you guys have any other uh, questions, comments, anything else like that?
5: I actually do have one more question. Um, Okay. Okay, so you said you're putting the table read up on infinitina.com?
1: Yeah, it's already up there. It should be, yeah.
5: And then, so what do you plan to do with that website, that portal, in the meantime? Between now and when hopefully your script gets picked
1: up well right now it's just a it's a landing page for you guys to send people to uh, where they can i I'm probably gonna put like maybe like the first ten pages of the script up there uh, I'll put uh, an mp3 of the table read and there'll be a video of the table read there there's also sort of a, like a, a log line for the series and for the the episode and my contact information so for right now it's a landing page to Get this stuff I put out there to kind of market the script and get a hold of me if you're interested. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously if within a few months or whatever it doesn't get picked up and I go and I finish doing the final edit on the book series and start releasing that, it will probably turn into that sort of a portal for, for the book series, like I have Dog Boy Adventures for the Dog Boy series. Uh but but right now it's a landing page for you guys to send people to to check out Tina. Would you want to do this for another episode to just kind of hear how your characters read? I, I I mean I I would definitely not be opposed to doing it. I think I thought it went really well. I I feel like I, I I'm hoping to get some feedback uh because we're gonna release this on all of our podcast feeds and everything else. So I'm hoping to get some some uh, feedback and if people seem into it, I would totally be down with uh doing doing uh scripting another episode to to do as a table read because I thought it went really well. I I, I think. I think it'll hang together pretty well as sort of just like a its own thing too. Mm-hmm. I, I hope so anyway. So so yeah, provided provided it hangs together like that, and you, you know, we don't have anyone writing in being like, man, I didn't yeah. understand anything that was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think I'd totally be down to do that for sure. And if if not like, and we were starting to do this a little bit with Universe Box, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be opposed to doing just. Different scripts too uh, in this format because I thought it worked really well. You know, like a uh, little like one act things or you, you know little little short pieces that we could maybe string together and, and put out there. Because I mean, uh, the the Universe Box listeners uh, to all of our podcasts we refer to as storytellers. So it, it makes a good bit of sense to start Tell telling stories. stories. Yeah. So so yeah, I'd be totally down for that. Great. Maybe, Anything else?
5: No, you actually answered both the questions I was going to ask just now.
1: Perfect.
3: Nice. No, well, what's great about the two bills? Uh, Worse, heaven forbid, this doesn't take off and make you millions of dollars. <laughs> um, what's great is, uh, 20 years down the line, you could be like, I still have a record of mm-hmm. of presenting my story. I have it. I mean, the the my blog, it's all it is, is a story that I wrote and rewrote and rewrote only because I kept on having computers that it would delete off of. And so I was like, I was like, forget this. I've written it three times. It's, you know, four chapters long. I'm just going to put it on a cloud. And somebody's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you can promote that, that blog or you could, you know, share it with people. I was like, well, that's not what it's for, but they can read it. It's for Mm -hmm. me. And so then I started posting them every couple of months. And then if nothing ever happens to that story, at least I can go back years down the road to my family or friends and say, you should check this -hmm. thing out. So,
1: yeah, it's great. Definitely. And if you know, if Infinite Tina never does anything but live as this table read, I mean That's I'll cons- okay. Yeah, I'll consider that a success. I mean I'd prefer the millions of dollars. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. Yeah, the millions of dollars and the acclaim and the uh, the gig to write the next Superman film and all that stuff. Oh for the while. <laughs> but uh you know you know i'll take the table read too i think i think it turned out pretty darn well uh for sure all right but uh yeah we're gonna let you guys go i think everyone has all your contact information from the initial table read and everything but uh uh you know if if you want to send people to it infiniteTina.com, uh or you can email me bill at universebox.com or at bill meeks i want to thank again the full cast of several of whom couldn't make it uh back here for the discussion but i'm glad to have the folks who did, uh, Anne Marie, thank you for. I, I will say too that Anne Marie kind of broke this story with me. Like uh, we sat down one afternoon and kind of broke out all the different kinds of worlds, kind of Tina's backstory a little bit, and uh, you, you know some of it was inspired by your life, uh, a little bits and That's pieces. That's terrifying. I won't, I, I, I won't say which, uh, but uh, some of it was inspired by your life, and you kind of helped me break out what we worlds. What was that? So, were you a cl- were you a clown? <laughs> <laughs> no, not the clown, not the clown. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it, she helped me break out a lot, a lot of uh, the the worlds and stuff. There, I, I think it's something like 30 worlds that we planned out for the season or series rather. Uh, so, so uh, thank you very much, Anne-Marie, and thank you for voicing Tina. I no problem. Definitely appreciate it. All credit where credit is due. But, uh, you know, as always, uh, you can check out all of the podcasts and other stuff we do at universebox.com. And until next time, remember to think outside. I didn't have any idea
0: where we're closing.
1: That's fine. Do not adjust your computer screen. It's your mind we're changing.
0: Stories set to a theme. Think outside. Universebox. All right.